I am hosting a retreat in Tulum, Mexico, in paradise this October called Bloom in Tulum. It's a five-day, all-inclusive, personal and professional growth retreat for ambitious, big-hearted women who are ready to step into their power with grace, support, and confidence. So my two biz besties and I dreamed up this magical retreat over sushi a few months back, and after lots of planning, it's actually happening. We have mapped out a thoughtful itinerary with lots of downtime to make the most of this beautiful paradise beachside location and also set you up for a powerful and memorable experience of growth. There's only 20 spots available and all three of us are promoting it to our full community. So that's like over 50,000 people. So I imagine the spots will fill very quickly. If you are interested in joining us in Bloom and Tulum, go to bloomintulum.com for all the details and to complete your application. Also know that early bird pricing ends on June 30th. So it's a really good time to secure your spot and save some money. I mean, honestly, like how fun would it be to hang out in person at a gorgeous, luxurious, all-inclusive in October? So head to Bloom in Tulum. That's B-L-O-O-M in Tulum. T-U-L-U-M. Bloomintulum.com for all the details and complete your application. Hello and welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and to take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years, and I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course. And I'm the mom of two girls, ages 7 and 10. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so grateful that you're here listening to the podcast again today. In this episode, I have an interview with Elizabeth D'Alto of untameyourself.com. And I'm excited for you to listen to this. Um, It was a really interesting conversation. We talk about the idea of being consumed by the identity of mother and that role of mother. And that women are not, are that women are in fact cyclical creatures, not linear, that we're more intuitive. And we talk a lot about connecting and trusting our bodies and our body's sensuality. So I'm excited for you to listen to this and and check it out. And I hope that you can um, leave us a review for the podcast or share it with a friend if you get uh, something out of it. It really helps to spread the word about the podcast. But I think that's it. I hope you like this interview. Here we go. Welcome to Mindful Mama podcast. I'm so happy you're here today. I'm. Uh, this is an interview podcast, and I'm excited to talk to Elizabeth D'Alto. And um, I've been enjoying Elizabeth's podcast for a little while. It's called the uh, Untamed the Wild Soul Woman podcast. And she's really known for her raw, honest, and grounded approach to self-help and spirituality. And she's the founder of this Wild Soul Movement and Untame Yourself and host of the podcast. And um, she's a teacher, a leader, a speaker, a coach, and a trainer to groups and individuals. So uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Elizabeth. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's, I wanted to talk to you. It's funny, you know, um, we talked to a lot of different people on the podcast. And um, 
You know, it's called the Mindful Mama podcast, and we're, this is a, a podcast for moms, particularly. And, and I think you're not a mom, right? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I certainly don't want to step on the toes of women who have like birthed babies through their body and have children. But I don't mind sharing that I get thank you notes and like happy Mother's Day messages every day on Mother's Day because a lot of my work is essentially mothering grownups. That is so awesome. I love that. Cool, cool. And I and I really appreciate um I really appreciate that. And I I what I appreciate about your work and I wanted to bring you on the podcast to talk to talk to you about is the emphasis you have on um just diving right into sort of the 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 name of the work you do, right? The un, untame yourself and this idea of like connecting and trusting to your bodies. And I, I wanted to bring you on because I really feel that when a lot of women become moms, there becomes this like, I'm, I'm really thinking about that sort of untame yourself. Like there's this sense of, for a lot of moms that we have to, um, we have to really like, control ourselves and we have to become this other. And a lot of women become this sort of role of themselves rather than themselves. And I feel like this part of themselves uh, is really like sort of longing to come out. So I'm just wondering about this sort of untame yourself part and and where that that came in for you and um, in your life. Yeah. So I love this so much because I mean, I might not be a mother with my own children right now, but I have so many moms in my community. And the the reason they find their way to my work is because they have been consumed by the identity of mother Mm -hmm. and actually lost their connection to their own self, like who they really are at the core because of what they thought they needed to be or they were supposed to be because like the the way either motherhood was modeled for them or even just like the overwhelming like cultural narrative around what it means to be a mother is in our society. And so the way that relates to me is just in my own life, noticing in what ways and places I had folded myself or compromised myself, or I was following paths or strategies or processes that were laid out for me without questioning them. And, and comparing them to my own truth or even knowing what my own truth, right? Because you can't know something until you're aware of it. So it took like a lot of observation and a lot of questioning and a lot of curiosity about what is actually true for me. Who am I really? What am I here for? Like some kind of big questions, but like, just like what's true for me in every moment. And am I really staying in integrity with myself or am I trying to please others? Am I trying to fulfill some obligation? Am I trying to carry out some role? that might've been distributed to me that I didn't necessarily ask for. Mm, okay. So you're, you see the sort of untame yourself part as like, um, like there, like at some point you were sort of fitting into a role and fitting into kind of a box. And it was like, no, I want to see who I am without sort of all these layers of control that society has kind of put on me. Yeah. And the conditioning, right? Because at the core of everything that comes out of the untame yourself body of work, um, is the concept that everything you've ever needed has always been inside of you. And people will sometimes ask me, why do you say it like that? Why don't you say everything you need is inside of you? And it's because I really want to emphasize that it's always been there. You've never not been equipped to handle or deal with, overcome or have, or create or do something that you want. Mm -hmm. Always been in there. So it's just a matter of getting back to your own true nature. And even like the nature of the word untamed sounds like wild and crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean barefoot screaming naked in the woods, or maybe it does. <laughs> but for some people, the most wild or untamed thing they do is they say no when they mean no, and they say yes when they mean yes. Mm-hmm. They stay in on a Friday night instead of going out to do the thing they think they're supposed to do. Or, you know, they don't involve their kid in an activity that they everyone else's kid is doing because their kid doesn't actually want to. And they're a stand for their kid, not for like fitting into a system that says this is what the kids should be doing. You know what I mean? It's more about truth. Mm, I love that. I love that. Yeah. So it's like you're, it's like coming back to self-awareness, right? A- awareness of what, what is it I really want in life? What, you know, what do I what am I really feeling? What, what's sort of real in this moment kind of for me? Yeah. Hmm. And, you know, on the, on the womanhood side of it, which by the way, this isn't in terms of gender, I'm not trying to create separation, but like women and men do experience things differently, whether you were born a woman or you've chosen to be a woman. And so a lot of it also too, is about giving permission to be inconsistent, reserving the right to change your mind because you will. Women are cyclical creatures. We're not so linear, even though our culture is very linear and we're very trained to be linear in our, you know, school systems and sometimes religions or governments or just the way things are oriented. So it's also reclaiming that inconsistency is not a negative or a bad thing all the time. Oh my gosh. So I had a, I had a friend who I was talking to yesterday and she was, she had this, um, she had this, um, this sort of inner dialogue in her head that she, if she was, while she was kind of figuring out something, it was sort of unfocused and and she was waffling. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, like, what if, what if you're just following your intuition? But it's interesting how I think even our inner dialogue is really, um, is really just, we were conditioned to think of it uh, in one, one certain way. Like if I'm, if I, if I don't have a concrete focus right now, I'm an airhead or I'm not, I'm not focused. Right. Rather than Mm -hmm. I'm maybe I'm following my intuition. Like where I think we're so hard on ourselves. It's amazing. Yeah. Big time because our culture is all about the left brain, right? Being focused is left brain following the rules, uh, you know, following the steps laid out for you, left brain. Right. And, and the the intuitive side, the creative side, the little bit more free flowing and trusting and compassionate, graceful side, that's the right brain. Mm. So in your work, you're, are you are helping people kind of, because I love what you say, like, so you have on your website, you have women who are connected to and trust their bodies, hold the keys to a life of infinite joy, love and possibility and freedom. So I love how you sort of connect that to um, connection and trust to the body. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the whole beginning of my book. This is huge because the body, like our senses, if we can learn to speak our body's unique language of the senses, then we can learn how to interpret our own intuition. Sometimes people will ask, well, how do I, how do I trust my intuition? How do I listen to my intuition? What does it feel like? And the thing is, I can't necessarily tell you what your intuition is going to feel like because yours might register differently than mine does. You might actually get a sense of something. You might just have a deep knowing. You might actually get physical sensations. You might see like a mental movie of something playing out. That might be like, you might get visuals. You might hear a voice. Who knows? Some people are like, it's the voice of God. It's my own intuition. It's my higher self. It's Morgan Freeman. I don't know. (laughs) But it's the invitation that you're going to have to test it out for yourself. 
But using your senses is a great place to start because that's how our body is expressing and taking in information on that level. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are supported by Melon Headwear. These hats are perfect for Father's Day. They are built to be in and around water. They last five times longer than any other hat. They're naturally antimicrobial properties. It doesn't, sweat doesn't break down the hat. No sweat stains, no smell ever. It's built for the water. We tested it tubing on the Brandywine River and it was fabulous. It even floats when it drops in the water. It doesn't lose shape. It is amazing. An incredible, comfortable fit. Use code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off your order. If you're trying to figure out a Father's Day gift, honestly, trust me, this is exactly what they want. Go to melon.com, that's M-E-L-I-N.com, and use the code MINDFUL at checkout for 30% off. Melon rarely offers discounts, so don't miss this opportunity. It is, I swear, the perfect Father's Day gift. Premium headwear, melon.com. Use the code mindful for 30% off. We are sponsored by Midi Health. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, vaginal dryness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. All of these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around perimenopause and menopause. And the experts at Midi Health understand what you're experiencing and how to help. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions. MIDI care is covered by insurance, and with MIDI Health, you can stop pushing through it all alone. Schedule a virtual visit to discuss your symptoms and health background in depth. You'll come out of the experience feeling heard and with a plan to start feeling better. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Joinmidi.com. Yeah, no, this is like, like I, so I teach mindfulness to moms and, um, and that access to our bodies and our senses, I mean, it's the most immediate access we have to coming into the present moment and out of all totally. the out of all the dialogue and the chatter and, and a lot of which is really conditioned. And then to come into our bodies is to come, you know, it's it's uncomfortable for some people and it really uh, is really can be hard and, and it can feel very uncomfortable for people. It's interesting. Well, and big time, because think about how many women have some kind of trauma related to their body, whether it was some kind of sexual trauma, physical, it could have just been injury or illness. It could have been something you have moms on the show. Sometimes birth is the most traumatic thing that's ever happened to someone, whether it's because you could have died, the baby could have died, something happened, you had a plan and the plan went awry and you didn't get to have the birthing experience that you wanted to have. There's so, and most women don't go, oh, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. They go, what's wrong with me? Yes. What's wrong with my body? Anyone who has had any kind of miscarriage, fertility issue, pregnancy complication, most women are not going, wow, that happens to thousands and millions of women. Like this is part of the process. Sometimes they're going, what's wrong with me? They're blaming their body. And also I don't want to get on a soapbox and blame Western medicine, but a lot of doctors kind of make it sound like there's something wrong with your body. And that's how it, the impression is really given. That's something I'm so passionate about. I actually get very pissed off and very upset about. This is something we talk about in my community a lot. 
or these experiences um, with, you know, a lot of things around birth, a lot of things around motherhood, a lot of things around doctors, um, you know, making your body wrong as if that's the friggin' problem. Mm hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So, so this whole, like, you know, trusting and connecting her, I, I really relate to this too, because like, at least for me, um, I feel like my own sort of journey to healing and to wholeness really, really started with, and I, and I, with my body, right. With like that physical body, like in yoga, they teach about these sort of the layers, right. And there's the outer layer and it kind of goes to that inner layer. And I could really see that in that, in that pattern, right? Like for me, like in, in college, I, or even in high school, I started healing through running. Like at first I was like, uh, you know, I was like angry and I was like running to like Wu-Tang Clan and I was like punching my little fists as I ran. And then eventually I started running like without listening to anything and like running mindfully. And it was like my, it was like my gateway into mindfulness, but this path of like coming into my breathing and my body, like I, at that moment, like in the very beginning in high school, I had been in this, like, I'd been like smoking pot and like eating a a bunch of cookie dough and like having a, and having a, like, I had really some really intense, horrible, bad times. And it was like to pull myself away from that. I came into becoming healthy. And then in college, it was like running, coming into my body. And then it was slowly like through yoga, more coming into my body and yeah. like coming into mindfulness and then deeper into sort of the thoughts. And then finally to sort of breath and then, you know, to a different sort of level. But I really think that coming into and having a better relationship to our bodies. I mean, because we are our bodies. We're not just like heads <laughs> that just walk around, you know, like we think we are sometimes. We are not, we are not heads, you know. One of the things that I used to say was get out of your head and into your body because it really resonates for a lot of people, except I stopped saying that as much because they just, it's both. Yeah. You can mm -hmm. be in your head and be in your body. Let's not be in our head in an unhealthy, inappropriate, and non-useful way. Let's get our head and our body. Let's get the mind and the body synced up so they could be on the same team. And I mean, you teach mindfulness. That's what that's all about. Yeah, yeah. So how do you, what, what do you say to people who are like feeling disconnected from their bodies, feeling like they don't have a good relationship for your body, their bodies, you know, say the listener may be, you know, listening and saying, huh, you know, this all sounds well and good, but how do I do that? Like, I don't even know where uh, to start. Yeah. So, you know, the wild soul movement practice is essential movement practice. It's not for working out. It's for working in. It's to connect a woman to her body through the use of non-linear movements, a lot of bodies circling or shaking something out or being in the hips, being in the shoulders, noticing the sensations. We use a mantra and not like a Sanskrit mantra or anything like mm. that. Something even just like it is safe for me to trust. So mm. like you were talking about, engaging the senses is one of the best ways to be present. So when I get someone on a mat and they are moving, they're breathing, they're repeating a mantra because a mantra is just a thought pattern interrupter and a switcher, right? Instead of thinking about what's going on in my day, if I'm repeating over and over and over again, it is safe for me to trust, emotions are going to come up, feelings, other thoughts, memories, like clarity might happen, emotional release might happen. And as I'm moving my body, I can literally let things go. I can notice like something was stuck and it comes up to be released. Like It's unbelievable when we get present with the body, move the body in a non-aggressive way. Mm-hmm with the intention of releasing or noticing something using that mantra, how it can really happen. But, you know, step one, which I'm sure you'll appreciate as a mindfulness preacher, is just breathe. 
Mm-hmm. Breath. Just breathe and 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 go a little bit deeper than you normally would. You know how many people, it's just like the shallow breath, they don't even think about it. But like breath feels so good. One of the cues I give people a lot in while some movement is just like on your in-breaths, like imagine your in-breath massaging your insides. And imagine it like turning on or lighting up literally like every cell in your body like a switchboard. And even just that one cue, that one invitation to like really be fully in your breath, in your entirety of your body helps people to gain more sensual awareness of what's going on in the body, in the system, in the mind, in the emotions and on all the terrain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That deep full breath that like can take us right, right into the body a little bit more. I love that. I like the idea of, um, you know, non sensual, non aggressive movement, you know, something that's more flowing, like the sort of yoga practice that I do is, is much more sort of flowing and wave-like and uh, that really feels really good to me you know and I I I always tend to like if I go to a yoga teacher who's sort of like teaching in a rigid style I'll be like well I'll just do my own flowing thing totally I can't it's like tuck your belly in pull this up pull that in take that breath do that I'm like yo calm down with the instructions and sometimes you know it's all different depends coming into our breath and, and coming into so that trusting nature of our body. What about, I mean, what do you, do you see a lot of people and, and okay, let me, let me backtrack. Cause I want to, first I want to go to, you said, um, the word sensual, right. And that's like, and your, your website has got like a lot of like, it, it screams that word sensual. And, um, and so I'm kind of hearing you're saying, coming into and trusting our bodies is like coming back into the senses and also into this sort of sensual nature. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and the work you do with there? Coming back into sensual nature. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think one of the most important things to understand first is that sensual with the letter S like Sam is different from sexual with the letter X like Xerox machine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and while they can be complementary, they're extremely mutually exclusive. And some people are uncomfortable with their sensuality because they're very uncomfortable with their sexuality. So inviting someone into the sensuality, literally engaging with the senses is a gateway into all kinds of things. And I'll give you a practical real world example. I didn't grow up with any kind of dance background. I grew up athletic, so very linear things, right? And I I know I had rhythm and I always loved music, but I didn't, quote, know how to dance. And, you know, I took some salsa lessons in my 20s. I actually became a Zumba instructor. I could really get down with, like, the Latin rhythms. Half Puerto Rican, I'm like, I know this is in my blood. But, you know, I could never really follow choreography. It was hard for me. And, you know, for many years, I didn't even try. I never went to dance class or anything like that. And then I started doing some pole dancing, and I took a big break from that. And, like, just the other day, I went to this dance hall class, and just somehow, out of nowhere, I was following and remembering the choreography with ease. And it's simply because I spend so much time in and with my body that I can actually override my mind and just, like, be present, let my body do it. The body is so wise. The body can process information and take and use information without the mind interrupting or interfering in such a miraculous and magnificent way. But we got to you got to put like the time in of being in and with the body. And so, again, sensuality is to me, that's what sensuality is being in and with the body, expressing 
through the five senses or the six senses if you want to include your intuition in there. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um so being with the body and and I completely uh I completely relate to that. I I learned to sort of dance when I was uh you know uh a young person by just closing my eyes and being like F it, I'm just going to dance and have it feel good. And it just feels good. And then it was funny. I went to a dance with my daughter at her school and she was like, wow, mommy, you can dance. She's like 10 years old and we were having a blast. It was a great time. But so what do you have um, for somebody who's thinking like, oh my God, like, you know, someone who may like have kids climbing all over them. They may be, um, they may feel like, their body's not their own. They may feel like their, their body is just like this it becomes sometimes like as a mom, like this utilitarian thing, like, yeah. okay, like, okay, here, take this boob. All right, now leave me alone. You know, And not feeling good in that. Like, do you recommend anything or do you uh, have any suggestions for people who are, um, feeling disconnected and like the word yeah. sensual is like kind of the, maybe the opposite of what they're feeling right now. Like, yeah. How do you come back to that? I have two things. I'll give the mild thing first for someone who just like maybe is a little too extremely apprehensive. Um, just hip circles. Circle your hips while you brush your teeth in the morning or before you're going to bed at night. And the reason why is to like, it's get your attention like to a lower place in your body. But also it's just like one of the most sensual creative places right? And literally it's the seed of creation. It's where the baby was created and where it came from. Mm -hmm. But it's also just like connecting with that area, with the womb space, with the hips, even if it's just through circling and, and it doesn't matter if it's rhythmic, it doesn't matter what it looks like. It might feel awkward. You might be feeling like you're doing hip squares, not hip circles. It literally doesn't matter, but just the energy and attention and effort to send some, some acceptance and some love and and be in that area of your body for you and you alone. Mm. That's, that's just one simple, simple thing. And it might sound so simple. People be like, yeah, whatever hip circles, but try it for three days in a row while you're brushing your teeth in the morning and tell me what you think. The deeper dive for someone who's like, all right, I'm, I'm willing to go all in on this wild soul business is breast massage. Not for the sake of pleasure, for the sake of nourishment, that's your heart space. Those breasts, in some cases, have fed humans, you know? And like you've said, they've become very utilitarian. I like the way you put that for, like, other people. And maybe you've, like, literally lost ownership of your own breasts. And so, and actually, if they want to try it, I have a breast massage video just on YouTube. If you go to untameyourself.com forward slash breast massage, it should be it. Um and if you feel like being entertained, read through the comments section. Okay. It's, it's three different types of people. It's appreciative women who were like, oh my God, I love this. It's like 16 years old, 16 year olds who were like, oh my God, will this make my boobs bigger? And it's men being like, I massaged my penis to this. Thanks. Oh no. Oh no. The price we pay to put ourselves out there. But you're you're brave. You're brave. Yeah. 
<laughs> good, good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that's that's definitely something to to try. That's funny because that's definitely something for me. Like, I kind of feel myself blushing a little bit. I'm like, yeah, oh, totally. my goodness. Well, again, breast that's massage. <laughs> the relationship between sensuality and sexuality. Some people feel like me touching my breasts must be a sexual thing, but it's actually like a like consider it like self care. The same way you would take a bubble bath. Like that's what breast massages. And you know what? Here's just like one more thing for people that might be more digestible as well. Just put lotion on your body when you get out of the bathtub mm-hmm. or the shower mm-hmm. and just do it slowly. Like instead of like slathering it on and like this in a spot, like literally take a full two or three minutes to just like really rub it in and use your own hands to connect with and massage and touch your own body. Mm-hmm. And like a nourishing, loving way, the same way, like if your kid was upset and you would hold your kid and like rub their back, like rub your own arm, you know, like give yourself some physical touch and loving again, not necessarily for pleasure, not for any kind of like sexual thing, but for just straight up nourishment. Mm-hmm. So where were you in your own life, Liz, or Elizabeth? Sorry. Do you go by Elizabeth or Liz or both? I prefer Elizabeth. All right. People call me Liz. I'm not like, um, it's Elizabeth. <laughs> That's cool. I'm good. I'm my middle name's Elizabeth. Uh, and my grandfather, uh, my friend used to call me Hunty, Li- Hunty Liz, and I was like, no, no, Hunty Liz. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Elizabeth, like, where were you in your own life that that brought you to learning all this, right, to diving into all this? I mean, this is such a fascinating uh, way to sort of, like, go. Like, if, you know, if you're in the world of, you know, you were in the world of fitness and 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 doing that. So, so what brought you to to this this sort of work, connecting with your body centrally in that kind of way? So, one of the things is I realized as a fitness person, I thought I was really good at like listening to my body, but I wasn't. I was really good at paying attention to my body. There's a difference. There's a difference between paying attention to what's my workout every day and what am I eating, and what's actually going on inside this miracle machine. And so. Um, I went to my first pole dancing class in 2009 or 2010. And I remember the slow, sensual movement. First of all, like I'm a New Yorker, like I'm a fast paced East coast type of person. And so this class was 90 minutes and literally the first 30 minutes of it was the warm up. And so me going in all like goal, like task oriented, like in my masculine energy, I'm like, all right, what are we going to get to learn and how to do the pole tricks? You know, but By the time I was able to like quiet my mind a little bit and drop in and enjoy the slowness and like the sensuality of the movement, it was just one of the most nourishing experiences I'd ever had in my life. And I had never done any drugs, so I didn't know what it was like to actually be high, but I felt high. Like I remember walking out of there and feeling like I've never felt this way before. And so that like wanting more of that wanting to spend more time with myself, you know, with the lights dimmed, moving slowly, been moving a hundred miles an hour my whole life and, and feel just like feel myself and be with myself was just what really hooked me. Mm. Mm. And you saw that other people obviously needed to sort of slow the heck down and like be in themselves too. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I even started doing was taking these like slow walks in New York city I put on a playlist with like slower music that like helped me connect to my sensuality and I would walk slower. And it was so challenging at first to move so much more slowly than everyone else around me. And to this day, like that's one of my favorite practices. Sometimes I'll go 
to maybe like an ecstatic dance or some kind of like freeform dance class where like everyone's moving around and I'll literally sit in the corner in stillness while there's essentially like chaos and movement all around me and see how I can connect with myself while everything else around me is kind of like moving at a much faster pace. Mm, that's interesting that yeah I mean and that that's also very much like aligns with you know mindfulness is like slowing down slowing down right totally yeah 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 um Lynn this time of year parenting can be such a fluster clucks you've come to the right place I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So, um, yeah, I, and I love what you say, like this this idea of... of kind of like um, slowing down. And so it, I imagine there's a process though of like, of actually becoming sort of aware, like bringing to light some of those things that make people really feel um, like wrong and unsafe and ashamed in, in their, in their bodies and selves. Like I imagine like many things uh, the process of coming to healing, like in the body in this way, may go through a process of like bringing up and, and, and getting more familiar with the things that you've tried not to look at. Like that's a huge part, right? Because there's so much, there, there's so much shame around women's bodies and looks and beauty and the external sense for all kinds of reasons. And and there's so many different contexts as to why and where that came from. Hmm. Okay. So yeah, just seeing that in, in, in all the different contexts. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure anyone who's listening is probably feeling, you know, like recognizing that in themselves. I mean, like I completely relate to like I remember and and it's really interesting to sort of think about that, like as a as a parent, because um, like I really relate to I remember you know, I remember when I was a kid, and this is not to like throw my mom down the the bucket, the down the hole or anything. But you know, I remember her looking in the mirror and say, like, I remember her saying to herself, "Oh, I'm so ugly," you know, yeah. and and it, um, you know, it just makes me sad thinking about that because I absorbed that from her, you know, and I remember looking in the mirror and saying to myself, like, "Oh my God, I'm so ugly," you know, and just seeing that that pattern sort of passing down the generations and how um, it's interesting because when I, we come to the work that I do with women, a lot of parents, what, what we want to do is we want to like, sort of like fix our kids, right? (laughs) We want to fix them. And we don't realize that it's us, like that our, our own healing and our own learning to love and have compassion for ourselves and heal ourselves is, is like 90%, 80% of the work of parenting. Well, it's huge. And again, like I don't have my own children, but I love to geek out with people on my own podcast about parenting. And that's, that seems to be the common thread because how, listen, you can tell your kids things all day long, but how do they really learn? They really learn because they're watching. They're soaking you up like a sponge and they are so observant. So who you're being and how you're showing up and how you're behaving is impacting and influencing them far more than just what you say or what you say to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're and like, they're crap at doing what you say. <laughs> right. But in terms of what you do. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Um, I, I can super relate to what you were saying. Like I grew up, like my mom has three sisters and like, I don't remember any, ever anyone not being on a diet when I was growing up, not having some level of like dissatisfaction or calling themselves fat. There's, there was a beautiful post many years ago and I don't remember who wrote it but it was like written by a woman about like remembering the moment when she learns that her mom was fat and ugly. And basically the story was, she just like looked up to her mom. She just thought her mom was the most beautiful person in the world. And then one day her mom turns to her when she's like 10 or something and says, I hope you're never fat and ugly like me. And she's like, what? Like worlds crumble. And I also think, you know, this is a perspective I never had because this just wasn't my experience growing up. I was always like pretty fit and athletic, but do you watch the show? This is us. No, everybody is telling me about it. I need to watch it. <laughs> amazingly done. But the storyline in This Is Us is that the mom is Mandy Moore. So she's like thin and beautiful and radiant and always getting like so much attention from people. And the little daughter is chubby. And so there's this one scene that I was like, oh, my God, I can't even imagine that where, um, you know, her, the size of the little girl's shirt is large and she could barely fit into it. And the size of her mom's shirt is small. And in even stuff like that, where we pick up our messaging about physical appearance and how we value ourselves based on that is just, it's, it's a big deal. It's so much, it's such a big deal. And I wish like, it it makes me so frustrated because I really feel like, like, and I think about that, like, you know, I don't, I don't really read any of those women's magazines anymore. And like, I, but I did. And I, I remember going through the process of realizing, becoming aware of how they made me feel and what sort of thoughts they put in my head. And I remember going to the gym at the YMCA and being like, oh, I'll get a cheesy magazine because that's like a treat to do while I'm doing my stair mill or whatever. And, um, 
But then really seeing the thoughts arise, like, oh, I should buy that lipstick. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And like the the sort of layers of implied like judgment and not enoughness. And then just realizing, thinking about I, the like the wasted human energy. Totally. <laughs> I mean, like there's a middle path for everything. Like I'm fine. Like I put on some makeup, you know, like I, 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 I like wearing, feeling good and looking beautiful. Yeah. But there's a middle path where I just think of like at some point, like if we could have taken the, the, the energy that goes into the money, the time, the effort, the, the feeling of not good enough that just is like in so many millions and millions and millions of human beings and put that back into our like society in some way like it's messed up yeah then that you know that's a lot of this is one of the reasons why I love having a podcast because Mm -hmm. even bringing up this conversation is inviting listeners to think about whoa how has that been at play in my life how is it at play in my life still right now because we said this earlier awareness is the first step so to even see, man, why does that magazine cover sugar me? Or, you know, one of these memes that I love, it's like the girl in the magazine doesn't even look like the girl in the magazine. Like, but I didn't realize, I didn't, I don't think it became a conversation until like my mid to late twenties that Photoshop was a thing. So how many years of my life did I spend trying to get some abs that I was never going to get? Cause they aren't even physiologically possible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's amazing. It's amazing what we do to this, this, like this not good enough, the pervasive yeah. not good enough. And that, then that does come into our lives. Like, you know, when, when we're parents in every stage, it's like, oh, we think like, well, I'll achieve that. And then everything will be, I will be fulfilled. Right. And I will, and especially with motherhood, it's like that, like, oh, and then if I have kids, then I will feel fulfilled. Cause that's what life, society culture tells me I will feel. Oh my God. One of my favorite conversations we've had on the podcast, you know, in this moment, I'm in the camp of, I don't think I want children, but I always say I reserve the right to change my mind because I'm only 33. You never know. Mm -hmm. But, um, I appreciate so many of my friends who've had kids and who also have happened to come on my podcast and share, you know, it's interesting. uh, Again, more shame for moms to absorb is how people just assume you're going to a know how to have a baby and B know how to be a mother when essentially you really don't have any training in it until it's happening to you. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously you could observe your own mother and other mother figures in your life, but it's like, you could read all the parent books you want, but until like you got that baby in your arms and you're trying to figure out how to get it to latch onto your nipples so it can drink the milk, you're like, what the hell? Mm -hmm. You just, it's not like a natural. And and for some people, to my understanding, it does actually come very naturally. It's like, I was born to do this. And then for some people though, it doesn't. And for the people who it doesn't, it's just like another shame train. Because again, like we said earlier with the body thing, people don't go, oh, well, you know what? I just never learned. Let me ask you some support or whatever. People go, what's wrong with me? I'm supposed to know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and with, with everything. And then the thing is, is the problem is, is like going on, like we perpetuate that cycle because we, we then shame and blame ourselves. We're like, oh, what's wrong with me? I'm going to, yeah. you know, I practice this shame and blame myself. And then we end up shaming and blaming our kids for things. And you know, it's like, and then they perpetuate it. It goes sort of down this line. Or each other and blaming mm-hmm. other moms or thinking she's a bitch. You're like, mm-hmm. all these things. It's like, man, 
How about we just be nicer and more accepting to ourselves and everybody else and ask for help when we need it and let people know when we're confused or unsure of how to do things. It sounds simple, but I know it's very challenging for some. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It is it is really challenging for some. So you we talked a little bit, you know, we talked about sexuality and sensuality um, and trusting our bodies a little bit. But um, so in the work you do with women and things like that, what what um, what do you say to them then about that strong inner critic, that strong not enoughness? Like uh, what 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 kind of what are some of the pathways that um, that you talk about with the, your community with that. So one of my favorite ways of putting it, which I learned from one of my mentors is that confidence comes from evidence and that goes in either direction. So if you believe that you're not good enough and that you're not worthy, you are going to gain a lot of confidence in that because you're going to find it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And if you're willing to just put one foot in front of the other and commit yourself to finding evidence that you are worthy, you're going to find plenty of that too. And sooner or later, the evidence that you are worthy is going to outweigh the evidence that you're not. And you can begin operating from that place instead. Mm -hmm. I love that. So the evidence, find the evidence that you are worthy. So did you go through a point in your life where you were looking for that evidence for yourself? You know, I was actually having a great conversation. I'm at my parents' house right now with my mom about that this morning. And uh, you know, something that, you know, every family has their dysfunctions, but where my parents absolutely nailed it is uh, like, there was never a moment in my life when I felt unloved, unsupported, or like someone didn't believe in me. Mm. So I've not really experienced the unworthy, not enough. I can't like, I've kind of always been like, I could do whatever I want. I will do whatever I want. Sometimes to the, to the opposite shadow side of that, which is like stubbornness. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but so for me, I haven't experienced that in a lot of the ways a lot of other people have, but I mean, I work with people all the time about a thing, but I, as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. I certainly faced it in that many, 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 many years of trial and error and, you know, having to do so many things wrong so that I could figure out the right way and experiencing so much contrast and what I don't want. So I could figure out what I did want. I certainly have experienced it in that context. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So like finding finding that evidence there in, the, in sort of that context, like that you can make it kind of that yeah. idea. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. That's awesome. Awesome. Well, um, Elizabeth, I really appreciate you coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I really hope that, um, you know, listener, I really hope that you know, you, you get some nuggets out of this about, you know, I hope you get some nuggets about coming into your body, like maybe just open the door to possibility of like that, you know, working on that, practicing that love and that self-acceptance and that, you know, and what I'm hearing a lot from you, Liz, is that, um, that appreciating your body, like it is this amazing miracle. Like it, you know, it's like, it does all this crazy digestion for you. There are things in your body that aren't even like millions of cells that aren't even yours and like blood and organs and, and we can walk and hug. I mean, like, it's amazing what it's we amazing. can do. We can dance and, you know, all of these things. And, and we, um, we forget to appreciate it. You know, we, for, instead we, we give it these messages that are so, harmful. And, um, and so, you know, I, I, I think what I'm hearing from you is this message of appreciating, you know, really, really, truly appreciating, like the, you know, this beautiful, amazing thing that we do have. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. So um, where can people find out more about uh, you and the work you do? So my website, my main website is untameyourself.com, but I'm super active on social media. And if they just look up the last name Dialto, D-I-A-L-T-O, I will come up because there's just not that many Dialtos. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram. Those are my two favorites at Liz Dialto. Still going by Liz on the socials. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great questions. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. I hope you got a lot out of the interview with Elizabeth. She has uh, an awesome point of view on things, and I'm sure you'll appreciate her podcast too. Um, If you have any questions, you can email me at hunter at hunteryoga.com. We have the Mindful Mother's Day coming up. If you're local to the Wilmington, Delaware area, it's going to be at Winterthur. Not a lot of tickets for that. So if you are interested, get reserve your spot now. And of course, I want to thank William Fields for the music. Thank you, honey. Great job. Oh, and I want to thank Carrie R. Hawson for the five-star iTunes review. She calls it the parent lessons in parenting I was craving, but I never knew existed. Um, so... Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that, Carrie. That's really sweet of you. So, dear listener, I hope you enjoyed this. I'm really glad you were here. Feel free to contact me, hunter at hunteryoga.com. Let me know your thoughts. And in the meantime, have a wonderful week, my friend. Namaste. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.